Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing on, take command. Thanks again to Elliot Shore Parks from Go Birds for joining us. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. I used to cover the Washington football team. Uh, he used to play for the Washington football team. And now now we just talk into microphones and, and break stuff down. Uh, so let's let's get deep. Uh, hopefully some Go Birds yeah. folks are listening. Let's let's get, let's show off our analytical skills, Logan. <laughs> uh, but I do think actually the right place to start is where we ended with Elliot, which is kind of the, the emotional, like human side of this for Carson sure. Wentz and the pressure of this game. If he feels it, I don't actually get the sense that he does uh, from anything. I mean, he's obviously got the year removed in Indianapolis. I get the sense that this is not going to be maybe even as emotional. It will be when he plays them the second time. Cause it'll be in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But if you're Scott Turner and you're trying to make sure that he gets into a rhythm early and is not thinking about anything and, and is able to keep a level head, what's the kind of stuff based off of what Philly does defensively and what Carson is is great at that you would be trying to, to organize early and, and scheme up early in this game? Right. So I think a lot of fans that I've talked to or messaged me on Instagram and stuff, they've been like, oh, they pressure a lot. we got to be really worried about their pressure packages. They're like 57% or something crazy like that. And uh, I think they think back to the Detroit game and say, oh, no, like we're going to get eaten up again. Like what Scott Turner's plan, that 57 percent is not the same 57 percent as Detroit, for example. And so what, what I mean by that is they run a lot of Cinco package. They got Jordan Davis into play nose on first, second down. And usually in those fronts, you're bringing some type of sod, like some type of dog. Right. So you're bringing like the Sam linebacker who's essentially a defensive end. So like to me, those pressure packages are vastly different than anything you're going to see that Detroit did. Right. It's like mm-hmm. these are the five rushers. Everybody calm down. I remember as a player, like that was always very straightforward. It almost didn't even feel like they were blitzing, right? Because you just know this guy's coming, this guy's coming. Let's block you know the five. You have to win one on one, which is challenging, sure. but it's a lot easier to win when you know who the five are. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think like that idea that they're going to just be heating them up all the time and it's going to be this crazy thing. That's why I try to ask our guest, you know, if he if he thought they were going to pressure more this week, if there was any indication of that, because that would be a sound game plan approach because Detroit ate us up with that. I will say they don't major in that. They do have zero in their arsenal. So like some of that stuff that Detroit did, which is like bring the house, play man across the back. They do that, but only in like very, very specific situations. So I think, again, it's going to be a much different game plan. So I think it'll be much more akin to what you saw from this team against Jacksonville. Like that defensive structure will feel very similar. Like I would kind of approach it in the same way. I would get in 12 personnel. They're pretty good about matching uh, in terms of like base defense to 12. And I'd run play action pass out of that, right? I'd find ways to get Curtis Samuel touches because they do play. Uh, it's way less aggressive than what Detroit did. Way less aggressive. There's much more space in the defense. The throws are easier. You know, 
they do have Darius Slay. They do have James Bradbury, who are both good players, but they're not like manned up all the time. There are situations where there are in man, but think of it more zone, more off, much like kind of like our defense. Like, you know how fans are always freaking out about all the space in our defense, how the guys play off? They do that here. Now, they run a couple variations that make it tough. So they run cover three, which is a lot of space, cover four, which is more of a match. And then they run like a cover four half, which is like, that true like Madden cover four where you're dropping to the spots on the field. So again, like right. that kind of stuff is, is tough to, to see the variations, but it's not going to like burst the pipes the way Detroit did. So I would expect it to look a lot like what it did against Jacksonville. I think much more of your game plan is going to be open early on. I think all that RPO stuff will be better. Uh, so I just think the matchup defensively suits, suits Washington a little bit better than the, the Detroit game plan. Yeah. I, I mean, Obviously, Philly has now seen the Detroit game plan. You always sure. get nervous about. I mean, that's, I feel like that's something that happened under Jay all the time. It was so funny because I would like talk to Chris Thompson every week, and CT would be like, "Yeah, we didn't think they did that thing, and then then they did it to us." Mm. And like teams would just say, "Like this is the thing that worked the week before, or worked in week two, so we're gonna do it now in week six. And it just happened to them all the time. Um, well, so I will who, say, who knows, who knows what Philly does, but you know, if that is the case, then like that's obviously exciting because. I, th- I think that also not only opens up for Gibson, Samuel, but like some of the in-breaking stuff for Terry could have him have his first, first big game of the season. He's actually had a field day against the Eagles historically in his career, including his first ever game. Yeah, and like to your point, like that's always something you worry about is like teams see something, they bring something, they kind of, it's like a pressure check. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I guarantee you, Philly, we're going to talk about the uh, their offense in a little bit. I guarantee you they run some stuff out of bunch that they haven't run yet because we had a hard time matching versus bunch last week. I, I guarantee you that they're like, oh, let's do the same thing, see if they got it fixed. Right. And I but yeah. the thing about the defense and the pressure stuff is like they had the lowest pressure rate in the NFL in 2021. You know what I mean? Like this is not something that they like want to major in. Now they've done it more this year already, but it's it's a very it's fractionally more, right? So I think understanding that and who this defensive coordinator is and who he wants to be is an important conception in terms of like this is this game's going to feel drastically different. Will they run a zero? I I would probably give it a shot if I'm there, if I'm them, just to see what's going on, you know. And they do pressure on third down. I think they're like fifty four percent and like third and four to four to six, something like that. So there, that's a high pressure rate in that area. But all the other third down zones, you know, uh, one to three, and then six to eleven, basically, it's like twenty percent. So it's not like they haven't shown a lot of it. And I think that's an important thing for fans to understand. So it'll just be, I think it'll just be much easier to game plan for them because they're simpler and that's who they want to be. And that's okay. Right. But they obviously held Minnesota to seven points. Uh, They had a bunch of turnovers, which helped. Some of those are just Kirk not seeing the field. Uh, There was the one, I thought Troy Aikman did a really good job on the broadcast talking about how Justin Jefferson let Darius Slay come underneath him. Mm. uh, And Kirk throws a ball on time that, Probably should have been incomplete because uh, I, I think Slay was on it and it would have been a collision. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Jefferson holds on and it's a touchdown. Um, but ultimately, he, un- he, you know, Jefferson allows Slay to cross his face and it, it's a pick going the other way. Uh, so holding them to seven is not that they played well the whole field the entire time and were dominant. They got key turnovers. And, and But that's the thing is when you play this kind of spaced out defense and play zone the way it's supposed to be played and keep eyes on the quarterback and understand route concepts, 
you can undercut throws. You can do what Avante Maddox did and drop off underneath the throw and get a pick for the, the one that was Cousins second. Like you can do those kinds of things. You also clamp down and you know a guy like Justin Jefferson who they're forcing the ball to all over the place. You clamp down on him because you know that's the goal. And and even if he gets catches, they're not big plays. And so it also the last thing that I'll say too is it requires a level of efficiency and a level of accuracy from the offense and the quarterback that does put a lot of pressure on Carson uh, to, to execute at a high level because the That's windows are small. And if you, especially if you want to get yak, if you want, if you want your guys to be able to run, the timing has to be perfect because they're going to be on you as soon as you catch it. Uh, if it's a half beat late and if it's a full beat late, that's a pick or an incompletion. Yeah. I think that, I think that you did a good job encapsulating like who they want to be defensively. They basically want to go like, this is what I'm familiar with. So I'm going to make this analogy. They basically want to be like that old Seattle cover three where they're like, you cannot go on a 15 play drive. Like we bet you, you can't. And there's an element of that to the commander's defense. And they obviously struggle with that a little bit, you know, but Philly's a little bit more polished, right? I think they have, um, you know, like they have better corners who understand zones a little bit better and are not afraid to camp gamble and make some plays. And so um, I think that safety, they're a little bit weak, but I think it makes up for it on the edges with the corners there. So I think that, that that's um, that's a great point by you. And I think, that, again, that's who this is going to be. So I think they're going to have a really easy time moving the football. Easy, easy is a relative term here, obviously. Um, but I think finishing drives is going to be a huge deal for them. Because like we saw against Detroit, like they're moving the football and Carson kind of throws – like not a bad ball, but a ball that gets picked off to Logan Thomas, right? So right. can can you do that consistently and not make that mistake and then make sure you're on the board? Because I hate to break it to you, this this offense insulates this defense tremendously, right? Because they're always going to be playing with the lead. They, they've been able to put the, their freaking foot to the gas pedal and offenses have to get out of who they want to be a little bit, right? Detroit did a nice job staying true to themselves, but Minnesota, you could tell they got a little off-centered and then they start throwing picks. They start pressing when they shouldn't press. And again, that's one of the advantages of having offense. It's really good. And it's, it's also like if you look at it from the commander's perspective, like that could bode well for us, too. If we get out to a, a nice lead and maybe it un, unsettles Philadelphia's um, offense defense relationship that they've had very uh, succinctly over the first two weeks. Yeah, definitely. The other thing uh, in terms of game plan and making sure that you distribute the ball properly is getting touches to your running backs. Uh, Dalvin Cook only had six carries. And I know they were playing from behind, but six feels crazy low. Uh, and I mean, he wasn't effective at all. I get it why Kevin would just be like, I'm abandoning this. We're averaging 2.8 yards a carry um, with Dalvin Cook. And that, that's what he averaged. Um, but they had six and then eight total from the running backs. Kirk had two scrambles. They had a reverse to Jalen Rager uh, that, that went well for them. But how important is is the running game and getting whether it's McKissick, uh, obviously Gibson, uh, or even Jonathan Williams going to to keep the defense honest and off balance a little bit, especially in the first half. I don't think it's important to run the football necessarily. Like I know that's maybe like blasphemy if you're Chris Russell, Ooh. but I, I I do think that I do think that you need to find ways to limit the amount of tough decisions a quarterback needs to make in the course of a game. Right. I think and running the football is easy. Like I hand the ball off and like I, I'm that's a free play for the quarterback. Right. Or like I'm hitting a bubble screen or I'm hitting a little check down. I'm hitting this and that it gets challenging when you're asking a quarterback to drop back and read a defense 50 times in a game. There's very few guys that I've seen that can do that consistently. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, 
Aaron, that's the kind of pantheon of player you're talking about, right? Because eventually someone's going to make a mistake, right? It just it's it's too difficult, right? So especially with a guy like Carson, you need again take a little bit off of him, and that again that that could be in running and running the football, or it could be just game planning touches for Curtis. Like think back to week one, I think that's like a perfect iteration of a game plan that I'd like to see. Quick, like they didn't run the football a ton, right? But the guy touches out quickly to guys. They kind of did some like gimmicky stuff, just made the decision process easier for Carson. So, you know, you say, you know, Kevin got away from running the football in the Minnesota game, and he did, obviously, but I think that's a mistake because then you put all of it on Kirk and say, go win us the game. And I think Kirk is a good player, but that is a big lift against a good team in Philadelphia to do that, right? So I think that was a mistake and a little bit short-sighted. And again, it could have been something, a variation of that, like, how do we get one of the best running backs in the league touches? Just not because he's a good running back, right. but because he's a good space player, right? Well, and that's that's what I was going to say too. Is like part of the reason that's such a mistake is like he's Dalvin Cook. He's right. really effective, and so how do you get him the ball more? And he did have a couple of catches uh, throughout the game, but ultimately they didn't do a great job of getting one of their best players the ball. Although you know they did do a good job of getting Jefferson his looks. Thielen didn't have a lot early, but had a lot late. Uh, interestingly enough, week one, Detroit, who puts up 35, including 14 in the fourth quarter on this Philly team, gets DeAndre Swift 15 carries. He goes for a buck 44. Jamal Williams gets 11. That's obviously who they are in terms of running the ball. Um, and they also had Swift uh, get three more catches on three targets. So 18 looks for DeAndre Swift and you know for for Washington I think you know you substitute Gibson in for Swift and I don't know that he needs to get 18 but you got to find a way to get him like 15 and if 10 of those are carries and five of those are catches great honestly if it's like more split seven and seven or whatever I think like, that that's for him great. is probably better yeah that's great but I, you know whether it's McKissick whether it's Gibson whether it's Samuel like those guys all need to get their touches and they all should be, except for some of Samuels, which are going to come in the natural route progression because he's a receiver. They all, a lot of those at least, should be those easy decision, don't think about it, screen, you know, quick game, all that kind of stuff where it's it's pretty easy lifting mentally for Carson. And also, I think one of the things about the Minnesota game that sticks out to you is I don't know how many plays they ran, but it didn't feel like a lot, you know. And I think the running game and getting touches to the backs is directly correlated to how many plays you get in a game. We've talked about that before. Like, in order to get everybody touches, you need to make sure you're converting on third down and on the field for like roughly 80 snaps, right? To make sure that Terry gets touches, that Curtis gets touches, Gibson, all, we, you know, all these playmakers get their touches. You got to yeah, run a lot the, of plays. The Vikings ran 59 plays against, which Philly. is not a lot of plays for context, right? Right. So I think that is um, that that again is maybe a, a bad sign that they were not holding on to the football, they weren't possessing the football, and a lot of turnovers. Credit to Philadelphia because they do possess the football in a nice way, like. I don't think they're. Qu- we're going to talk about this in a minute, but they're not quite the same running team they they were they've been in the past, right? I think their rushing statistics are slightly inflated based on that week one performance by Hertz, but they did a really nice job just being super efficient. Holy cow, man! It's like you're watching Madden. You're like watching a college offense. Like they've got a ton of yeah. speed on the outside. You got a ton of playmakers. It's really scary, and so that's how they get so much play volume in is because they've just been mad efficient. You look at Minnesota, not very efficient. So, like, you're not going to get many opportunities to touch the football because Philly is just – they've been that good over the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, last thing on the Philadelphia defense and Washington trying to match up with them. 
what's the best path to manufacture big plays? Like that's Ron's hobby horse this season. Generate big plays. Don't give yeah. them up. Which, you know, again, based off our favorite stat. Yeah, we got it in the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 55% of, of drives with over a or 15 plus yard play. You think I'd have it better now? Uh, every freaking week. Fifteen play, fifteen plus yard play or more. Fifty-five uh, percent of the time you score. Without one, it's only five percent. So, right. how do you how do you generate big plays if you are Scott? Well, I think this offense versus this type of coverage philosophy has shown a history of being able to, I don't know, like relatively easily generate big plays. Like even with guys who are not great quarterback, like great quarterbacks. And I think now with Carson and his big arm, like it's going to be easier to do that. That's one of the reasons you bring Carson in, right? Because this offense fits a kind of larger arm, that more more talented quarterback from an arm talent standpoint uh, better. And then we also have these playmakers that are making plays, right, and can make big plays. So I think um, it, I think if, if Philly comes out and does what they've shown for the first two weeks of the season, which has been relatively – and this is not an indictment, but relatively vanilla, I think that mm -hmm. simplifies for Carson. I think then you – you, it's easier to kind of say, oh, versus these looks, we're going to run these plays. And I, like I said before, I've said this on the podcast before, I think Scott Turner does an excellent job scheming up plays versus cover three and cover six and getting guys in one-on-one -on -one situations with, you know, safeties and guys who are not ideal coverage players, right? And getting them, in, again, bad leverage. And they're not like these crazy nuanced concepts. When you have the horses on the outside, they just kind of develop, you know? And so I think if, if the, if the O-line can protect Carson – you limit the amount of tough decisions he's got to make down in and down out, which is running the football, screens, little dinks and dunks, RPOs, that kind of stuff. I think those will come. And I think that's one of the beauties of this offense this year. Is it, you just got to insulate Carson a little bit from himself, and I think you're in a good spot. <laughs>